You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God, mind control, the last days, higher dimensions, unity, the power of faith, discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com. And now, you can also find us at www.thefireplacechurch.org. Folks, we are moving into week three of the launch of our new internet-based ministry service. Why? Why, oh why, was the Fireplace Church built? Folks, let me tell you, this began a year ago when I began Casting Vision and saying, wouldn't it be cool to have an internet-based ministry platform where not only would people be able to engage in worship, not only would the word go forth, but how cool would it be to have that same platform allow for community building through internet-based moderated discussion groups so that all of the people that write us in and say, man, oh man, I wish there was community around where I lived because I can't find it. All of my community is on Facebook and I get all of my meat and teaching and edification from podcasts because no one locally is willing to talk about the things that your podcast and podcasts like yours talk about, Dan Duvall. <clears throat> Wouldn't it be cool? If I could link all of those people up with an internet-based platform so that you can make friends from around the world that are interested in the very things we're talking about, folks, we built it. We built that thing. That exact thing has been built. www.thefireplacechurch.org. When you go at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, which is going to be a different time in every time zone, it's 7 p.m. Central, wherever you happen to be in the world, it'll be that time, uh, our 
internet-based ministry service goes live. And there will be an introduction and worship, and then there will be teaching. And after that, you'll get to click a button. And as long as you are capable of clicking the button, you will be placed in an internet-based moderated discussion group with others from around the world. That is, as long as we can have enough moderators to keep up with the demand of those that are coming in the groups. Now, some of you may have problems as this grows, like, well, they didn't let me in a group. We may run out of space in our groups. I, well, am solving these problems as, as they come up. Right now, we're just excited that the platform's been built. Folks, we are inviting you to join us every Friday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time for the Fireplace church.org in addition to that we have a lot of other things going i have books available higher dimensions parallel dimensions and the spirit realm kingdom government and the promise of sheep nations noah's ark in the end of days if you go to our website we also have the australia dvd available that was an amazing conference from back in november and uh you can get those either at www.bridemovement.com or the fireplacechurch.org we have a lot of vision for other things, folks. We continue to help survivors. And by the way, we're going to be talking with one of those survivors that you, yes, those of you that have financially contributed to Bride Ministries are the reason why the person I'm talking to today named Elena is having the conversation with me that she is having. You actually have a stake in that testimony that we'll be talking about today because you sowed into us and we taking what God has given us have been able to reach out and bring healing to others. And so what does Bride Ministries do? We do a lot of things. One of the main things we are doing is creating solutions for survivors of satanic ritual abuse and government-sponsored mind control agendas. We also built this really cool e-church. We're making materials available. We put out this podcast. We have vision to expand into a media studio, to build a DID coaching school, folks. You know the spiel. I, I, I get up here every week and say it because the Bible says, uh, write the vision and make it plain that those that see it can run with it. God, God's a big visionary. He, he, he wrote his whole vision down. He gave it to us in 66 books of the Bible. He said, this is my, my vision from A to Z. The purpose for man, destiny, the end, the beginning. He wrote it down, made it plain. And then he gave it to us so we could run with it. Well, you know, we just follow similar principles. We're running, folks. We're runners. We are intent on running the race that has been set before us. But listen, what we have to talk about today is going to blow your mind. And I can't wait to tell you about it. So without any further ado, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
folks, you're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. And this week, we're going to do another program where we plan to leave your jaws on the floor. And if you've been a regular listener to my program, you are probably well aware that that's just what we do here at Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Because you know what? We serve an awesome God who does awesome things, and we like to talk about that. And this week, we're going to be telling an incredible story. Now, on my program a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that I had taken a trip up to Montauk, New York, and that I would be giving the story two weeks later. Now, if you listen to this on YouTube, you didn't hear me say that because that was part of the introduction I put on all my radio podcasts that gets cut out of our YouTube versions. But in any case, this is that week. And I have as my guest, one of my clients, actually, she is a survivor of satanic ritual abuse and government sponsored mind control projects that has found help through Bride Ministries. And she's actually been working with me personally. Her name is Elena. She is one of the people that those of you that support us financially have helped. And we are going to relay to you a story because I wasn't the only one at Montauk. She was there as well, in addition to a few other people. And we were there for the express purpose of praying down some major, major things. And the implications turned out to be pretty huge and far-reaching. And we are going to tell the story today. I'm very excited about it. Elena, welcome back to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Hi, Daniel. Thank you for having me back. Well, Good to be back. It, you are a champion, Elena, I'll tell you what. And it is um, just a real privilege to have you back because y- your story is so incredible. And the two times that you've been on this program thus far, we've been joined as well by another survivor named Robert. Uh, he's not joining us today, uh, but you have already really (laughs) blown some minds with the things that you have seen and borne witness to and then shared. And I know today's going to be no different. Now, Elena, we've been working since June of last year. And during that process, we came upon memories of being involved in projects that took place underneath Point Montauk in Camp Hero, and um, they were really horrible things. And so you joined me and Robert to talk about these things in in an interview called Montauk Exposed, and then in a follow-up interview, we went even deeper with some of these things. And that actually parlayed into this unfolding agenda. That was given to us from heaven. It basically was detailing <laughs> the idea that we would eventually have to go there to pray. And so we're going to tell the story today because this thing is just so profound. And But I want to begin by letting you rehash for our listeners, maybe those that have not um, heard you before on my program or have not heard the Montauk Exposed interview. What is a little bit of your background and what are some of the things you remember occurring during projects that took place under Montauk? 
My father was a high-level government contractor, um, connected into a lot of the government contractors that do black ops for the United States government. He was quite involved um, with a lot of these projects, such as Montauk. As a matter of fact, when he retired, he retired the vice president of ITT, which is one of the financiers of Montauk. So I grew up um, right outside of Long Island. I started getting memories back about, well, actually about 2010 is when I started recovering things that um, very startling, very difficult to deal with on top of it. Um, all of the uh, demonic types, uh, attachments that go with it. So I, up until that point, I had no clue that this was in my background. And it wasn't until we started working together and started exposing some of this stuff have I even begun to get free of it. So I was used in time travel. I was used in interdimensional travel. I was used in experiments um, regarding uh, implants and technology that has to do with mind control. Um, and I saw a good deal of things that um, they would probably rather have me forget. Well, I've remembered, hmm. thanks to Daniel Duvall and the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Elena, if people want to get that information, they can go even just on YouTube and find an interview called Montauk Exposed, where we detailed a lot of that in, in great depth. So we're not going to take time here, folks, to rehash all of that information with her because we have another story to tell today. Now, Elena, as we were in our healing journey, uh, <laughs> there were some very, very interesting things that happened. I mean, this and folks, you need to understand in, in the ministry, in this ministry, ministering to survivors of the highest levels of stuff you're not only coming up against demonology, you are also coming up against real technology. You are coming up against other realms and dimensions and even timelines at times. You're coming up against the highest ranking princes in the heavens. You're coming up against all of it all at once. In addition to the trauma and inner brokenness that needs to be healed. And so ministry is very supernatural. It looks different than what the church peddles as supernatural ministry. It actually goes pretty far beyond that. And uh, we just encounter such, such fascinating things. <laughs> fascinating things. And in October of last year, the Lord essentially told you to go on a 40-day fast. And that was broken up Um in such a way that you you would fast and then go off the fast and fast and for a period of 80 days. Now, folks, I'm going to let Elena tell the story from her perspective, but I'm just going to give a bit of background um, before she gets into this and explain it this way. When a person is going through a great degree of trauma at an early age, what the mind does to protect itself is that it dissociates from the events of trauma. And when those dissociations occur, uh, 
splits of consciousness can be the result, which we would call soul fragments or alters, alter personalities. And most of the time, these alter personalities will live or abide in the person's subconscious. I would relate that to the heart realm spoken of in the Bible or the seat of human intuition. And because that realm seems to overlay with the spirit, there seems to be a lot of interplay between the subconscious of the human and what is there and the spirit realm. And so, in any case, Elena went through that, folks. She went through a lot of that. And at one point, um, there were some supernatural, a number of points during her lifetime, there were supernatural interventions. And in one of those, God actually reached into a traumatic moment and took one of the fragments that had been created through trauma only to send that part back at the appointed time, which was at <laughs> this juncture in her healing journey with me. And so I'm going to let her tell the story uh, because this is actually part of the larger story we're going to be talking about, which is our trip to Montauk. So we're backdating this whole thing to October. Elena, tell us what happened. Well, you got to start off with um, the fact that healing from trauma-based mind control is the most agonizing thing ever. I've healed from other things, broken bones and uh, Lyme disease and other things like that, but nothing. The agony of healing is, there's just no words for it. It's on every single level. And I am so thankful that God provided for me back then um, this part that came and worked alongside of me to bring forth this healing for such a time as this. Now, her name is Ruth. And as I was going through this 40-day fast, which I do believe some of it had to do with the incredible amount of nanotech and implants that were in my body, fasting <laughs> um, really helped purge a lot of that out. Ruth had worked with you um, on one of those sessions, and um, she wrote to Daniel, and this was on the 30th of October. She said, the Lord's fury burns at the very mention of Montauk. Historically, what happened at Montauk is a Pandora's box. But presently, Montauk technology is a feeding tube for the exponential growth rate of darkness in your world. Just a thought. Have you considered meeting with the survivors for a dedicated prayer fest for the total destruction of the evil at Montauk? As in, nothing left but dust. The judgment of the Lord is within them. Their pain carries a lot of clout in the throne room. So that was the first mention of um, going boots on the ground to Montauk. <laughs> and um, so we're working through this, these various memories that had to do with this vicious occult technology that was going on there, the vicious rituals that were going on there, um, along with the purging. 
of a lot of the nanotech out of my body was at the end of November. Um, I, I was coming um, off of a fast and the Lord spoke to me and said, and I have this written down, that he wanted me to drive to Long Island to pray over Montauk, um, to walk around the area and speak as the Spirit gives me utterance. But I wasn't to do that until I was stronger, but it was coming in the very near future. Now, okay, now just, that's like going back to face the monsters. Oh. No one wants no one wants to do that. <laughs> I mean, that's like going to one of the most awful places in the world for me. Um, but because the Lord said to do it, I knew it needed done. And Elena, that's so incredible because the amount of bravery that it took for you to go there is just incredible in my mind. Here's the thing. When Ruth wrote me that note that you just read back in October, she was communicating something that we have since learned is extremely true and and important in understanding the assignments that reside within the the survivors that are being redeemed by the Lord. That is that in them, they carry the judgment against the powers of darkness because they themselves are the witnesses. What have you learned about that? What from your perspective? Without a witness, you don't have a case. Without a case, you don't have judgment. God has trusted some of us to be a witness to what the wicked have done. It's so. it, it's just profound. And the thing is, that, that comment is so, so important because many survivors ask the question, why me? Yeah. And they don't have an answer. They don't know why they've suffered. They don't know what purpose there was, if any. And many of them, they, they, they have a very skewed view of God because of that. And, well, what we have been learning is that God does have a purpose in the redemption of survivors. And it is this, that in their members, their bodies, their souls, their spirits, they carry a witness against the evil that exists, not only on this planet, but far beyond it in dimensions spanning out God knows how far. That there. holds great clout in the courts of heaven. Amen. But there's a second part mm -hmm. to that witness. Mm -hmm. That second part is to the miraculous power of Jesus Christ to deliver and set free. Amen. That is the second part. Now, November passes and I thought, okay, maybe I should go at Christmas time because I have a little girl and she's out of school and that seems to make sense. Mm -hmm. And... Um, <laughs> the car breaks down she gets sick there's no money and so that isn't going to happen so the trip got cancelled and another month after that went by, you know, January and now I start having these dreams 
And these dreams weren't just dreams. These dreams were prophetic. Um, without getting too involved with, you know, the nuts and bolts of the dream, basically they implicated who the supernatural hierarchy was that was involved with Montauk. And then mm -hmm. not only was it in the dream, the next day it comes popping up at this random uh, place I was reading some stuff on. And I'm, wow, you know, that was confirmation that the dream was prophetic. So that was on February 5th. So essentially, you were planning as a result of some of the things that had come forward to go alone. You were just going to go in response to what you felt the Lord was leading you to do. Yeah. Walk the land by yourself. You tried yeah. in December, didn't work. Tried in January, didn't work. But then right. more intel came. Right. What was in those dreams? It absolutely implicated a cosmic being by the name of Tos. The angels call him Hermes, other people. Um, call him Zeptepi, the Atlantean. We've talked about this on some of the other shows as well. But this one was the absolute nuts and bolts of um, how what they were using to accomplish this. That was February 5th. Okay. So Thoth was in those dreams. Uh, do, you, do you have any other details about how those dreams gave you some intel? Um, basically, um, it, it was the notes and bolts of science behind how they were accomplishing this. And it had to do with frequencies, um, but it wasn't just, you know, like people think maybe the cell phone towers, oh no, they're using light frequencies too. But it also implicated somebody by the name of Preston Nichols. Now, you know, I had heard of him before and actually had some encounters with him as a child, but was not familiar with any of his writings or what he had to say about Montauk. So um, his name came flipping up <laughs> the next day. And so I went and looked at some of the things that he had to say about Montauk. Up until that time, to be honest with you, if I even heard his name, I was nauseated. I couldn't go anywhere near it. So just the fact that I could read something that he wrote without flipping out, or the word is triggered, um, said a, says a lot for where I was in the healing process. So as I read what he wrote, it absolutely confirmed that dream was real. And it was intel and another confirmation that this is the direction we were to be going in and now folks it, one of the amazing things about elena is that she will literally dream about how technologies work because she has parts that understand <laughs> science on levels that would make some scientists look silly it's really fascinating uh to get some of these emails that I get. <laughs> Throwing that out there. <laughs> Thank you, Elena. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Thank so, you, Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, Murphy happens to be one of Elena's parts that 
is uh, very versed in a lot of higher technologies and principles of quantum mechanics. It, mm-hmm. Speaking of these fasts, um, there's a funny Murphy story. Um, came off one of the fasts, and the Lord had given me a word for Murphy, who's also trying to piece together her memories. And the word was quantum derailment. And immediately, Murphy comes up and starts writing an equation. I hate math. <laughs> <That person. laughs> and, you know, I have not sent this out to be checked, but I'm pretty sure it will check out. So anyway, um, I, I had no clue what any of this meant. Um, I do now. I have a lot more of a confirmation on that. But anyway. Okay. So you get some intel in this dream, but the date for going to Montauk to pray still has not come up yet. And no. at this point... Folks, I was kind of on the outside. I was like very busy, <laughs> so busy because in November I'd gone to Australia. In December I got slammed then took a vacation, came back, and January was – well, really this whole year has been pretty much a horror story insofar as my busyness levels. I am two months behind on some emails. I mean it's just been nuts. And so when she would tell me about things, I think I'm going to be going to Montauk to pray and, and, and things like that. My mind, I was thinking, well, those are your plans. Fantastic. I support you 100%. But I'm busy. However, that did come to a point where that shifted, and I realized I was getting roped in by the Lord. And so the the thing is, in the month of February, this shift really happened. Uh, and it began February 19th. Why don't you talk about that, Elena? The angels showed up, and they had a message. And so I wrote it down and I sent it to Daniel. And the way it came forward is anyway, when, when this happens, you have no doubt in your mind that something supernatural is going on. Um, physically, what happens to me is I shake. Um, I feel very weak in my knees, almost like I'm made out of jello. And it's the spirit has now just overcome you. So um, I, it began with the scripture, which was, Blessed be the Lord, my strength, who teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Beloved, we come in the name of him who is holy and true, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, the one true living God, who came in the flesh and dwelt in your midst, who was crucified and rose again. Hallelujah. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. I believe that these serve God at this point. Um, the hour is the hour is upon us. We come bearing the news that now is the time for war, a multi-dimensional war that will be felt on all levels, all planes, and all timelines. We invite you to work alongside us as we go forth. The battle is the Lord's, victory is at hand. As you speak forth the word, sing praises of your God, El Elyon. We are singing the praises of him today who gave us the victory last night. This was a huge loss for the enemy. And I better stop here because um, Toth had come to me um, that night, the night before, and also... um, there's there's uh, birds that cover the entire yard when this happens, but anyway. 
they go on to say Tos, or we call him Hermes, and that's attempted to break out against Elena. Although he came against her with the Legion, he was not prepared to meet up with us. The heavens were lit up as the enemy were beat back fine as dust, sustaining heavy damages. We really enjoyed that. And Daniel, thank you for your prayers. Um, this one is an ancient strongman behind this, what this generation calls the New World Order, although there's nothing new about it. Within his midst is a multitude of sun gods, moon gods, star gods, and pagans. Elena has powerful enemies, for she is a thorn in that self-proclaimed all-seeing eye. Over the past several weeks, we are directing her with dreams, visions, and information on how to pierce that eye. The time has come to go forth and blind that eye. It says, Elena, you are beloved warrior mother in Israel. As he spoke unto Joshua, he speaks unto you now. How long will you wait before you take possession of the land the Lord your God of your ancestors has given you? Camp Hero was named according to the will of the Lord, as he knew that day would come when he would cause his heroes to return and take possession of that land. It is as our Daniel has said to you, you are that hero. Now is that time. We bring to you his gift of faith. It is your shield. Believe. Daniel, highliest prince of Israel. Elena carries within her the judgment that you will pour out upon the enemies of God. She must not go by herself. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. And that comes from the song of Deborah. Elena has been ordained, set apart, which means made holy for such a time as this. As it was with her beloved Savior, this world receives her not. As with her Lord, this hurts her soul, and she longs to share what the Father has placed within her spirit. <sighs> Although we reassure her that her time will come, her heart is heavy. Some of that heaviness is Father's heart within hers. His heart is heavy with the hour that has come upon the world. Elena, we need you to please understand that sometimes your heavy heart is our strength. Your travailing last night was also of great assistance to us in our victory. This is the meaning of what is written in Psalm 30 and 5, weeping lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We charge you both, weep his tears as we bring these back to their source, the very throne of God. This is the spirit of intercession that groans. This is the spirit of travail that labors, that cries out. This is the spirit that births victory. We'll leave you now with several verses from the Song of Deborah. Let these strengthen you as the word, as this is the word for such a time as this. There is much in these for you both. Daniel, a prince in Israel. Elena, warrior mother in Israel. All that is within you, praise the Lord. Now to him who can do more than we ask or imagine. This came from Gabriel. Now, folks, let me just begin by saying this. In the Bible, the word angel or agalos means messenger. Some Christians think it's weird that someone would have an angel communicate a message from the Lord to them. Why can't the Holy Spirit just do it by himself? 
Well, if you read the Bible, it's because God uses angels, which are messengers, to communicate his messages regularly. There's nothing weird about that. Furthermore, Gabriel has done this assignment many times. And he didn't get fired. Can I tell you something? Gabriel <laughs> did not get fired, folks. And he showed up, okay? So that's all I have to say. Um, if you read your Bible, you will find that Gabriel has delivered messages on a number of occasions, uh, certainly not the least of which being to Mary and Joseph, the mother of Jesus, her husband-to-be, also Zecharias, the father of John the Baptist. So he, he showed up and delivered messages to all of them. That, that's something that he does, part of his job description. And he didn't get fired. Okay, so before you begin to throw stones at Elena for being quote unquote weird, maybe you should check your weirdness level for not reading the Bible and then thinking you can make assumptions on what God is doing based on your limited understanding. So can I say one thing here, too? Oh, please. <laughs> the angels are infused with the Holy Spirit. They're part of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> they are spirit. Whose? His. Amen. <laughs> and, you know, in my case, I would say there's a couple, um, let's just kind of quantify this a little bit. You know, I've been compromised physically and mentally. Yes. If this wasn't accompanied by a little bit of something extra, I don't know if I would believe it. And actually, I have a hard time believing it anyway, even with all that going on. So the next day, the 20th of February, the Lord then sets into um, this long string of confirmations that this was accurate and to be taken as the word of the Lord to me. And so, um, and certainly, I don't see anything within that message that takes the focus off of Jesus Christ. Do you, Daniel? Well, no, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, this was like a rally call. And it was, um, of course, because you, you, you typed this message out and it showed up in my inbox. <laughs> so I read it and I'm like, well, I, I am just so special here right now getting emails like this. But that was the moment where the Holy Spirit just kind of sat on me and confirmed inside of me with great peace in my own spirit. Yes, Daniel, you are going to Montauk too. So the idea that we were going to Montauk was basically being established by this it was supernatural series of events. I mean, it doesn't get much more supernatural than this, Elena. This is pretty high on the Richter scale of supernatural, uh, inconsistent with 3D thinking type of stuff. So, you know, and particularly as a survivor, that is the last place I would want to go. So if, and, and I'll tell you something else, angels do show up in the Bible when there's a battle. And look at the book of Judges. It's loaded with it. Yes. So, um, yeah, and there was a battle. 
that was going to take place two months later to the date that we had no clue of. You see, that was February 19th. April 19th, what were they planning to do? They were planning on erecting a portal for Baal. Um, it's despicable. Right. They were but we planning... didn't know. No, we didn't. They were planning to finish the construction of the Temple to Baal in New York and London. I mean, they wanted to build them both. And they that was not even on either of our radars at the time. This was two months right. prior to that. And it was after this that several Christians began to really write about it, uh, put it on their podcast, different things. And I was just catching wind of it by the time April did roll around. But here we were in February, two months before that date. It was obviously in the works. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have any clue. It was uh, about the same time I received that email and the Holy Spirit confirmed I was supposed to be in, involved in this thing that God had also given me the assignment to have the prototype service of the Fireplace Church done and running on <laughs> April 1st, on or before. We actually, <laughs> praise the Lord, beat the deadline by one day and did the prototype service on the 31st of March. But we got this assignment and I, that's when I began to go on my program and declare, we're going to do this and we're going to do it debt free and this and that and went into overdrive and started to work 12 to 14 hours a day and it was just insane. All of March was just a, a, a black void on my schedule and just no time. And so we knew going in, it was going to end up being some point in April. And so we, we kind of were playing it by ear, just taking it one week at a time. And then we finally <laughs> settled on the second week in April. It was like, yeah, let's go the second week, weekend in April. That seems like it'll be the most acceptable time. It makes sense for both of our schedules. But the dates, though, were so significant, Elena. What were the what, what were the dates of the second weekend in April? Oh, I get a I get a Facebook message that you had booked the tickets and it was going to be your flights were on April 9th and you would be returning on the 11th and I said that's just incredible it's 4911. <laughs> <laughs> Now, and <laughs> the Lord it was not joking that he had judgment in mind, and 911 is part of that. So that's why I see it anyway. That's why I took it. Now, for those of you that weren't born yesterday, you will remember that not only were there terrorist attacks on September 9th, uh, or September 11th, which was 9-11-2001, um, 911 also just happens to be the emergency dial on your phone for any kind of emergency you have in your life. But there was a powerful message that was sent out around the world. It was a message of terror and fear. And it was a point in time when there was a big shift that occurred for many people in their minds as to what their worldview looked like going into the 21st century. Well, it just so happened that the dates the 9th through the 11th 
showed up. And not only that, because I was going to be traveling on the 9th through the 11th, which wasn't planned ahead of time. It was just the scheduling. That That's left funny. the date, April 10th, as the only realistic date of actually executing the prayer. And 10 is a biblical number determining judgment, Elena. And you know what's great? I feel like the Lord is saying to the enemy, this is 4911. <laughs> 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 it is deserved. So, okay. But the Bible does say, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. I will repay. Mm -hmm. So we booked the tickets. Mm -hmm. Elena. Then something really weird happened to me because I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a prayer walk. We're, we're going to walk around. Uh, Lord knows what's going to happen. It might be pretty weird. I mean, we talked in the other program about how some hurricanes seemed to <laughs> find their you know, uh, correlation with our prayer sessions with you and Robert dealing right. with those. I was like, oh, man. So, you know, I, I'm thinking I'm going to be dealing with just just him, you know, the Thoth and s some different things. Then the weirdest thing happened because a sur another survivor I work with that knew nothing about what we had been dialoguing about, knew nothing about my trip. We didn't tell anybody. We this didn't. was no. Nobody knew. Right. Nobody knew we were going to do this. I didn't tell anyone. It was me and it was you at that time. And and family member, right. right. And uh, yeah, I mean, there was other people that ended up joining us there when we got there, but they didn't even know when we were planning it. And mm -mm. so I get an email from <laughs> one of the people I'm working with, and it basically says, Daniel, Satan's planning to get in a fight with you on April 10th. And I'm like, <laughs> Satan is planning to get in a fight with me. On April 10th, I'm like, I didn't tell you about April 10th. You do not know that I am going to fly to New York to pray on the grounds of Montauk. And I wasn't even thinking I'm coming up against that. I'm thinking I'm coming up against the, Toth, the other guy. And so, um, you know, in my mind, the way I'm working it out, I'm like, I don't think it's going to be that big. And suddenly it just went to a whole other level of, oh, this is really big. This is actually really big so then i'm like okay angels came gave a message book the dates dates are really weird 9 11 judgment day is april 10th then i get this email satan's planning to get in a fight with you daniel and by the way this person <laughs> uh they basically are able to hear satan's conversations it's very strange they have a very unique case uh very accurate so I had no doubt this was actually happening. Elena, this thing just kept getting bigger. But then the Lord began to show. He began to show you what kind of army he was amassing for this purpose. What, what did the Lord begin to show you about what he was preparing for that day? Well, um, while in the sessions... While I was in the spirit, all I could see was just legions, 
upon legions upon legions upon legions of angels as far as the eye could see that's all i could see as a matter of fact which is not normal um you know when you're a survivor you have what it's an inside world and it never looked like that before <laughs> so that was pretty exciting but then there was something else that confirmed it that this was this was true there was another survivor that saw the exact same thing in her spirit isn't it just fantastic that we can talk to her right now lauren it's really great to have you back on discovering the truth with dan Duvall. now folks you'll remember lauren grace if you listened to the seven-part series that we did called are my memories real and that series featured myself dr preston bailey carolyn hamlet and lauren grace and you can find that easily by going to bridemovement.com and um, visiting our mind control tab we actually have them all linked right there it's also in all of our other archives and she maintains her blog at laurengrace.com now Lauren, it's really great to have you here. What did you see regarding April 10th? Um, yeah, that was a period of time where God um, just opened up and really started showing me a lot of different things. And one of them was concerning what um, was about to take place the next day. This was actually um, April 9th, God because that was a Saturday, God showed me, um, it was like a, a vision that he showed me um, of the armies of heaven, the hosts of heaven that were gathering together and they were circling round about the entire area where um, you and Alina were going to be at. And it was just, it was a huge crowd. It was it was pretty overwhelming. It was just a lot, you know. And of course, you know, they, they different types of angels look different. So it's not like a bunch of shiny white people there with wings. It's like they look different, you know. Um, but it's it's kind of hard to describe just because it's over overwhelming. And I wasn't really paying that much attention to them anyway. Um, strangely enough, I guess that might sound strange, but. Um, I noticed Yeshua, he was on his big white horse, and uh, he's, he just wanted to remind me that, um, that the battle belonged to him, that his banner over that entire affair was a victory, and that the battle's already been won, because he's, he's gone before, and um, that was, was pretty amazing and so I, I shared that with um elena when we spoke um on I, I think that was uh, the saturday that that was the same day that we had spoken yeah 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 so that was pretty cool <laughs> pretty awesome we were fighting to stay on the phone because i kept getting disconnected <laughs> it was... yeah. yeah but that was awesome Those things happen. Yeah, that was, that was a great conversation. So, folks, I, of course, had no idea about this because this conversation happened the day 
that Elena was driving up to Montauk, which would have been the ninth, the same day I was flying into New York. And I did not know about this. I had known what Elena said about the armies of the Lord lining up, but this came to me afterwards. And I said, wow, that is so cool. Talk about out of the mouth or two or three witnesses, let all things be established. This is really happening. This is when the people of God on the earth partner with heaven's agendas. This is what I call kingdom warfare. This is when God executes a war decree and then recruits his army, which includes people, to agree with his word. That was our job. But, Lauren, it didn't stop there. You, you actually also had uh, some other oddities that I occurred. Is that what we're calling them now. <laughs> Oddities. Love that word. That occurred in conjunction. Because that night, the night of April 9th, going into April 10th, there was some things that happened that I think were highly significant. Can can you just take a few minutes to tell us about it? Yeah. Well, as a a little bit of background, um, just to let everybody know who's listening, there were parts of me on the inside that were absolutely 100% against what was going on. I didn't quite understand it all myself, um, but looking back now, I can understand a little more. But it was it was really strange having all of those conflicts going on inside of myself. Um, it was very odd. But you know, God had brought me to a place where I was, you know, at peace and I understood more and. So, you know, I I thought everything was fine. So I went to bed that evening, Saturday evening, and I didn't sleep a wink. I mean, I really, I I did not fall asleep at all. I I was trying to fall asleep laying there, and my husband's beside me, you know, and as per usual, anytime something like this occurs, it's like there's this deep heaviness that comes over him, and he is not aware of anything that's going on. And that's just the way it is. You know, I don't think, um, I think that's probably for the best, you know, but um, that's, it's just really one of those strange things. But as um, the night started off, I laid there and I started praying. You know, I, I just felt like I should pray, you know, for that. And I was praying in the spirit um, and, you know, just feeling at peace. And I started to doze off and, I started feeling um, myself, I, I started getting attacked. Um, and, um, it wasn't really a, it is a physical feeling, but it's not as if, it's really hard to explain. It's not as if it's, um, it, it's not always as if someone's in the room with you and is like trying to physically beat you up, but it can have that same feeling, you know, like someone, you know, you're being rushed at, you're being attacked, traumatized, you know, it's, it's demonic. Um, and as you know, I, I would wake up and pray, well, wake up, I would come to, cause I, you know, I kept, I kept trying to doze off and I would come to and I would rebuke it. And then I would, and the attack would subside and then I'd start to fall back asleep and I'd be attacked again. And I'd, 
rouse myself again, you know, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus again. And then um, this this went on for a while. And then finally, around this three o'clock hour, which that seems to be one of those hours, um, I nodded off again. And this the group of altars inside of me that, well, at least one of them, that were strongly against what was going on, they they came forward and took control, and I kind of liken it to um, this one young lady that I saw a YouTube channel on. She described it this way. And I thought it was a very really good description. She said it's like driving a car, and say you as the front person, you're driving the car and you're behind the wheel, and then some. Sometimes you're in the passenger side, though, and someone else is driving the car. So you can see what's going on. You can hear, but you really don't have control. Then sometimes you're in the back seat of the car, and you can't see as much, and you can't hear as much, and you still don't have any control. But you have less control because you can't reach over and grab the wheel and take back over control of the body or the car. And then sometimes you're stuck inside the trunk of the car, and you there's it's like you can't see or hear anything you know well this was one of those weird instances where my altars were trying to not just stick me in the trunk but they were trying to kick me out of the car like <laughs> like no you are over and done we are taking over they were being called out by this huge demonic whatever i don't i don't know the word to describe what this huge thing was but they were being called to join in the battle. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm thinking to my, because it's like I'm having my thoughts and I know what they're expecting as well. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, what are you, you're going to fight against God? I don't think so. You're not going to win that, you know? And I, I just prayed, I, and I said, I, I just prayed to God. I said, you know, Yeshua, please help me, you know? And I, he, he, in his mercy gave me control of my body again. And it was so bad. My, I could feel my body like coming up off the bed. It was so strong and so heavy, freaked me out. And the relief was immediate. And I prayed immediately for them to be taken in a special chamber in heaven that was recently revealed to me because I didn't trust them to be put inside our normal boxes of living water because I bet just didn't feel strong enough for me, you know, so I prayed that they would be put inside the special chamber, like, so they, in heaven, so they could not, like, leave anywhere at all. There would be no chance. And then believe it or not, I, I mean, I'm exhausted, okay? So I'm, I'm, I fall back asleep, try to fall back asleep. As soon as I start to doze off, this huge entity started to literally physically try to pull my body out. Like my, not just a part of me, not just my entire body I felt was being sucked out. And it was, you know, uh, it was horrifying, <laughs> to, uh, to put it mildly, and, you know, and of course, there's that few seconds, so I'm just completely paralyzed, 
you know, even in my mind where I can't even think. And I was finally able to think the name of Jesus and immediately left. And I got up out of my bed. I said, no way, this is not going to continue to happen all night long. So I got up and walked into my office and opened up the book of Psalms and I started praying and declaring, you know, just a lot of different verses relating to victory and, you know, how, you know, uh, the enemy has oppressed us and tied us in chains, but God comes and delivers us and rescues us and, you know, he crushes our enemies and I just started praying those. It was about an hour, I guess. I'm not, I can't remember now how long it was. And until so I finally had that peace, and I just went and laid down, and it was about five, I guess. I finally went and laid down somewhere around there, and I slept for a few hours. <laughs> I was exhausted. Oh. But, yeah, that was that was the oddities surrounding <laughs> that situation. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it's not funny. I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because it's just like, it's so ludicrous. It's like, it's on one hand, it's, it's so unbelievable. It's like, wow. But that's what happened. And Lauren, thanks for being available to chime in on this program. And I, I just felt that it would be so strengthening to the testimony that Elena and I are sharing because this folks, details the agenda that the enemy had. He was actually so nervous about this day, I realized, that he wasn't just happy bringing in his goons in the spirit, being some of his fallen angels that serve under him, and the demons. He wanted humans out of body and their parts. And the person that I told you about a little earlier, who... It basically articulated to me, and they did not know anything about this trip, nothing, that Satan planned to get in a fight with me on April 10th. Well, they had 14,000 parts prepared that were dismissed during a session I did with them um, the Thursday before the Saturday that I flew out. And so... There was a this huge effort by the kingdom of darkness, and and Lauren's testimony simply it, it it makes it real. This was not something small, and they were trying to pull as much leverage as they could get. It, it, it just amazes me. Not only that, but Robert Van Dries Mitchell, who has been on this program before, was also Elena reporting. I mean, having stomach issues and all kinds of uneasiness and everything else leading up and into that day. Well, and then there's what happened on my way up there at the restaurant. Okay, so um, had gotten over the bridge. It was cold. It was rainy. A lot of traffic. Um, got over the George Washington Bridge. Get through Manhattan. Get on to Long Island. And um, as people do when they travel. I had to use the restroom, so um, I see a Dunkin' Donuts. I'm like, okay, that's perfect. And I go to get off, and guess what? The Dunkin' Donuts was no longer there, anywhere to be found. I don't know exactly where it was that I got off, but 
I ended up on you know, doing all this cloverleaf stuff. And finally, I see this little restaurant because now it's getting serious. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's it. I'll go in there. And um, as soon as I walk in the restaurant, um, two or three people come out of the back of the restaurant. And they were friendly, but there was something very wrong. You, you know, you know, your, your intuition is saying, why are they talking to me? Why is there, why are they coming from all parts of the restaurant? But, you know, they, they convinced me to stay there and, and to eat. And I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe they just need the business. So I order a salad and some tea and I go to the ladies' room. And when I come back, um, I taste the tea and it's kind of bitter. Okay, well, that's, that's strange. Um, now there's like all these people coming like waiters and managers and bartenders and they're all standing around me I'm thinking this is very bizarre and I'm sipping this tea and I'm, I never put sugar in tea but it was bitter so I put some sugar it was still bitter now my lips start going numb and the room starts to swim and these people are talking to me and I'm having a hard time understanding what they were saying and I knew that they had put something in this drink. And um, then there were some people to the right. There was this one table full of people, and they're talking about going to the beach and getting hotel room and, and you know, pretty much what I was on my way to do. And um, I thought that was really bizarre. And it occurred to me, huh, you know, this, this is just getting too weird. Now my head's really starting to swim. And there's more people standing around me. And I finally said, you know what? In the name of Jesus, I got it. And then I hear this voice inside of me saying, get out now, now. Mm. So I put the money, put the money down. And thank you very much. <laughs> I'm out of here. And as I'm trying to leave, they don't want to le let me leave. Well, you know, you really ought to stay and drink some coffee and all this stuff. I'm like, no, I got to go now. I got to get on the road. Bye. Well, you know, um, uh, where are you going? Uh, and I said, I'm going to Montauk. You know, that's only 20 minutes from here. And it wasn't. It was several hours away. It was just weird like that. I get into the car and my head's still swimming. I said, Jesus, you got to help me. And immediately this, the swimming stops and I get this bad headache. I guess I'm just kind of curious how that happens. I mean, it was very random. And, it, you know, there's a Dunkin' Donuts. There's not a Dunkin' Donuts. You're in a restaurant. It wasn't a. It was a nice restaurant. The next thing you know, I've got all the employees ganging up on me, slipping roofies in my drink, and I mean, it scared me. You know, I also know that the name of Jesus made it stop, but I also know that it was very real because I had a headache for an hour and a half after that, and um, so. And iced tea does not give you a headache like that. This is not normal stuff. And no. folks, this is so weird because it's a pull off hours away from the destination. Right. They're not supposed to know who she is. No. We didn't tell anybody. It's not like I did a radio podcast on this thing. No, we. I, it was hidden. And let me ask you this question. If you were to take a stab, Elena, at some kind of explanation for the mechanics of what was actually going on in that restaurant. 
what would you say? Well, my first thought is demonic targeting. Um, you know, I've, I've heard targeted individuals talk, and that's very much um, with the couple talking next to me, knowing, you know, what I was doing, where I was going. Okay, but that still doesn't describe the feeling of being drugged. And, you know, iced tea does not make you feel like your lips are going to fall off and your head fall off your shoulder. I mean, it was like I had been, I had taken some kind of drug. So um, I have a hypothesis and I don't really have much else than that. Um, I have been victimized by demonic targeting before and it really doesn't make much sense outside of this. Because they're not taking over just an individual they're taking over a location that is space. So that indicates a realm. So if there is a demon that has been sent on assignment to stop me from getting to my destination, that makes total sense to me. They fit that realm down over that restaurant and controlled the people in it just the way they wanted you know just like some people control a sims game you know what i mean that is a fascinating conclusion really gives you food for thought yeah um and here's the good news to those people that are being targeted you have authority in the name of jesus if you are his child you command it to stop in the name of Jesus, and it does. Not only that, I had protection because on the inside, get out now, <laughs> get out of here now, you know. So anyway, outside of being a little shook up, I ended up at the final destination of the evening, unhurt, unharmed, and even by the time I got there, my headache was gone. So... That was a really crappy day weather-wise, by the way. It was cold, and it was rainy, and it was foggy, and it was all those things. But the next morning, I had been given a word, hadn't you? What was going to well, happen? <laughs> let me tell you something, Elena. This was the most radical thing for me because, okay, first of all, I was praising God that you made it there okay. This praising God. He made sure you got there one piece and uh, he needed you there in one piece. Now, the week leading up to this thing, the, the, the whole week, God, God was like, all right, uh, you're going to do a little bit of shifting gears, Daniel. And this week you're going to be scribing for me. I call this scribing for the Lord. Now, I, I do this as a regular exercise in my prayer time. And, and, and this is been a developing theme in my life where, where my prayer life and approach to God has, has gone from one degree to the next. So my, my prayer life began with prayer time. I would make a prayer list and I would pray for people. And then that kind of graduated into the deeper prayer where I would encounter the presence of God on purpose. And I would really pray hard to get into that place and going to really aggressive prayer and then incorporating tongues in prayer and back and forth. After a while, I arrived at this place where I could essentially drift into a flow where 
I would, I would go to God and I would just worship him. Uh, this is especially during our fellowshipping time. I just worship him. I would pray in tongues. And then out of the tongues that I would be praying, I would release my faith to know what my tongues were saying. And then I would interpret it back to myself. I would actually interpret my own tongues back to myself in the interpretation of tongues, which becomes basically a download from God. Uh, the, the direct communication of his spirit. And out of that, I would then flow into the gift of prophecy. And I would just begin to prophesy out loud. I would, it, the, the interpretation would end and it would just be a prophetic flow. And I would move into word of wisdom or word of knowledge and go in and out at that point. Well, that kind of graduated to a point where I no longer even needed to necessarily uh, pray myself into that or worship into it or pray in tongues. I could just go right into the prophecy and out and in and then it really went to the point where I didn't I, I don't even need to speak it out loud anymore because I hear the voice of the Lord so acutely that when I go into those prayer times I can just hear what the Lord is saying and just write it down like I would journal my own thoughts but I journal the Lord's thoughts and that has been a progression of my life and so God said you're gonna have to do that you're actually gonna have to journal my thoughts because I'm gonna give you some downloads, but you're not allowed to say them. You, you actually, Daniel, are not allowed to speak these words until the day. That day was beautiful, beautiful day. And it was a beautiful day. You, you can't imagine all of this turmoil building up. I mean, it's chaos, folks. Like we're like this is just getting bigger, 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 bigger. I, it's like a guarantee. There has to be some kind of radical hurricane level five or some kind of typhoon or a tsunami or nuclear bombs getting dropped. I mean, there's going to be some crazy thing. Elena, it was a beautiful day. But the Lord had told you it was going to be a walk in the park. He told me it was going to be a walk in the park. Folks, I did not believe it. Every time I went to God, I'm like, God, Satan wants to fight with me. Thoth is going to fight with us. There's all the, I mean, God was like, it's going to be a walk in the park though. The, the, he said, Daniel, the battle is mine. Yep. It was a beautiful day. It was. I thought it was going to be cold. <clears throat> and it just turned out to be a gorgeous day. And before I had left my home, the Lord pointed out, sitting on my cabinet, was a half gallon of olive oil. High quality. <laughs> Very high quality olive oil. And I picked that up and brought that with. And that's exactly what we brought over for our walk in the park. <laughs> God said it was going to be a walk in the park. And so we arrive at location, boots on the ground, time to go to war. So out of the rental car steps a Puerto Rican guy and Elena, who is a, 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 a verified grandma. Three. With this oversized jug of olive oil. Who does that in a national park? Uh, well, there was a little audience for a while. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't care. <laughs> we just kept speaking the way the Spirit had um, given to Daniel. So, so, folks, I had essentially done this, what I was assigned to do during the week which was scribe this thing, which became a three-page declaration of judgment. 
and brought that with. Uh, Elena brought a prayer with her as well. And um, between those and prayer walking, that was essentially the plan for the day. We started by going to the side of the lighthouse at Point Montauk, taking that oil and just dumping it in the water. I mean, and people are walking around, like, what the heck is this Puerto Rican guy doing? Dumping all this oil in the water and then standing on a rock to... (laughs) I was a little concerned that they were going to think it was flammable substance. But as you so accurately pointed out, it doesn't even have cholesterol. So we were fine. (laughs) (laughs) Cholesterol free folks. We went with cholesterol free oil. This is just amazing. So then um, we came together and we read the words of Daniel's prophecy and the prayers I brought. So Daniel, you want to speak out a little bit of this? Now, Yes, I do, Elena. This is is awesome. Folks, I've never really written anything like this before. God has told me a lot of things, and I've written a lot of things quite profound. My prayer journal is uh, very intense, but this was another level. And it was three pages of judgment and when I when I was thinking about doing this program, I, I, I told Elena in advance, I said, you know, I can't read the whole thing because really people just are not ready for the full word. But I will read the first page. And so I'm going to read it, folks. And you, and you can hear this is just the first page of three pages of things that the Lord had to say on that <laughs> Beautiful day, which really turned into a walk in the park. I mean, it wasn't even a cloud in the sky for this one, Elena. Not even a cloud in the sky. It was so beautiful. The next day was pretty bad, but that... (laughs) (laughs) So here's what I wrote and then had to decree the day of Montauk. It says... Thus says the Lord, the earth is mine and all that is contained therein. I am bankrupting every contract, lease, and oath, entangling this land with your realms and plans and timelines, and I am taking it back unto myself. I am redeeming this land by an act of my own will and the strength of my own hand, and to every power that has been experienced, and to every power that has experienced increase and gain on account of what has been done, anchored, and leveraged through here, justice is being rendered to you this day. And I call you all to account to answer thus. Have you done justly? Have you received of my abundance? Have you served me in the execution of your assignments? Have your courses and paths been established by my will? Are you certain of your strength? For this day I call heaven and earth to witness against you. I own it all, and what you have pirated shall be brought down in judgment. I will reduce you to that which is rightfully yours, and I will take that which is rightfully mine. I scoff at your timelines. They are weak and petty. Now behold in the sight of all. They are gone. Where are your timelines? I say you will not find them. Not now nor ever again. I receive back to myself every pirated thing held therein. It is done. 
Fight now with your swords and your shields, with your bows and with your chariots. Your abominations will not stand but fall before me, and all that is determined by the Spirit will not fail to be reflected in the natural. You are not my friends. You are enemies doomed and called to give account for wrongs committed. How dare you think that I would permit my own overthrow under any circumstances? Do you not know my might? Have you not all beheld my own glory? Have you not been in my court seeking justice on account of my laws which change not? Yet you fight against me. I judge you as defeated. I cast you down and decree that you are profane. My unknown armies do it. Overwhelm cannot describe the might and brilliance of who I am and the armies that subdue you now. I extinguish your battlefield. I extinguish your timelines. I extinguish your callings, which you have deceitfully entangled men in. I extinguish your extensions, for you have lived lavishly on that which has been stolen and pirated from the abundance appointed to my people, which you have hijacked. I decree that on account of the witness against you, what has been ascertained by you is taken now. Some of you here will lose your whole realm. Others I call crippled beyond recovery. I bankrupt your new world order. I will provide for those that are mine, but you will not provide for those that are yours. Let you distinguish yourselves before me. I am Jehovah, the creator and maker of heaven and earth. You are created. You are fools and bastards. You are broken and cast down. Your power is not power but delusion. I hate what you have done. I hate what you have stood for and I hate what you have promoted. Yet I in my own ability suffered long with you that by my own rules and self-limiting restrictions overcome you on my own terms. And I shut your mouths and implode the vast armies you assemble unto yourselves. Your laboratories will go up in flames. Your networks will go up in flames. Your war rooms will go up in flames. Your technology are taken from you. Your libraries are rooted out of their foundations and taken to my realm where you are not permitted. Heaven fights against you, and I with my own mouth condemn you. Power untold is wielded against you this day, for this is the day you contend with God most high, and I dominate you out of the abundance of my own glory. And out of the resonations of my incomprehensible love, you are impaled. I will have my way, and not one of you here can stop me. Elena, that was page one. That was page one. Folks, there are three pages of this. I am telling you this thing was off the charts. As a matter of fact, because Elena really pressed me, I am going to read another segment uh, just to give you an idea of where some of this thing went. We stood upon the rocks and spoke this out together over the point, and we did it again at Camp Hero. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. And then we went on to the prayers that I brought. But yes, just a few more places. This is such an awesome word. Thus says the Lord. Satan and all those that are with you, take a seat and heed my words. You will sit and not stand. You do not have the power that I have and you never will. I impale your armies and declare my righteous cause. Your mysteries are nothing before me. 
Now watch as your secrets are exposed by the might of my hand for all the heavens to behold. Hear and see and watch this day as you learn that what you call power is no power. You are small before me, and for the greatness of my glory, you have no antidote. Thank you, Lord. I, Thank you, Lord. I, I'm just going to say this, Elena. Some people forget just how big God is, Don't how think. high his throne is exalted. Yes. And that he is mighty to save. We think so highly of Satan that we are afraid to talk about him in his church because we think the moment we begin to talk about him, he'll get glory. Right. And then we glorify his new world order and think that that thing is bigger than God. You know, this word put some things in perspective even for me, Elena. And of course, I'm not reading the whole thing because I, I really just don't have a release to do that. But we <clears throat> declared it on a rock while pouring oil into the ground at Point Montauk. Into, into the, to the, um, the sea and on the ground and at Camp Hero as well. Now, you really did an amazing job, Elena, because I, one of the things that I found profound was how well you held it together. Uh, being in a place that was a source of so much trauma and suffering for you. But there was a point while we were there that a number of memories surfaced and unveiled a whole new element of the conversation regarding Montauk that we have not detailed yet. And I want you to take some time to talk about that. Talk about what came back to you and what it means. Well, there was a number of things that came back, but the thing that was um, very difficult was a memory of um, one of my altars who is seven. So this is quite some time ago. What they were doing there was far more than time travel, opening portals and interdimensional travel. Yeah, yeah they, they were about that. But the most important thing that they were learning how to do and got quite good at it, they learned um, something that I did not have a word for, but Daniel did. It's called transmigration which is basically the taking of human consciousness and putting it into hybrid bodies. And once they learned how to do it, they did it all the time. And as the technologies grew, they did it all the time. Um, one of the memories that uh, 
I had when I was there was seeing piles of lifeless bodies. Now here's where it's a problem. When the consciousness was taken from these, they were children. And they were put in um, a mutated body or hybrid body. So now what are these? Are they victims? Because as they grew, they became evil. So what are these now? Are they victims? Or are they perpetrators? I don't have an answer for that, but I do know that I have spent an awful lot of time praying about it. And by the way, <clears throat> for those people that think the movie Avatar is science fiction, remember that truth is stranger than fiction. My, my, my. It's a huge part of the Super Soldier program. And um, again, the one thing that is very clear is the reason they're doing it is because human consciousness is far superior to theirs. Imagine that. Imagine that. Elena, I want to ask you a question. Knowing what you know, what do you believe the lie is with transhumanism? <clears throat> They're trading places. Explain. They want what we have. And... Um, Okay, transhumanism is basically the wicked, the supernatural element, the supernatural consciousness, deceiving humans into trading places with them. They are machines because they lost their first estate, as written about in the book of Jude. And as they, can, they degrade, they have no choice. Just as human beings have degraded, they degrade. As they continue to, to degrade, the only way they can survive is through augmentation with machines. Well, that's going to wear out eventually as well. So why augment with a machine when you can have a whole human body? And they have various ways of getting them. You know, through cloning, they've been doing that for a long time. But this is also a huge part of what some know as the super soldier program. My. So they're, they're trading places. Okay. That's my, um, that's what my spirit bears witness to. Now, folks, this was a five-hour ordeal. I mean, there was the actual act of reading this prophetic word twice, as well as the prayers that Elena brought, and prayer walking 
all over the place. We were there for about five hours. The crazy thing from my perspective was that in the natural, there was nothing going on. Literally, there were tourists and people, happy campers, grilling steaks on... <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a national park. <laughs> so... Of course, I mean, we felt so ridiculous in the natural. But folks, this is how the you know the spirit wars with the flesh, man. I mean, you know, these people are walking around like, "What are you doing on that rock?" You know, and yet it's so important what we're doing on the rock, like reading the stuff. We're there I for enjoyed the few people that stopped to listen. Amen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really? Yeah. So we were there for five hours, and then it's still a beautiful day. So we, along with the people that had met us up there, got pizza afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. Pizza, too. The Meal of Champions. Yeah. I mean, this was so ridiculous. It was just like, what is happening right now, you know? And um, that's the story. Except it's not where the story ends. Yeah, we had pizza and then, you know, tried to relax, of course. If any of you that are listening to this program were part of the training for group moderators, that also happened the same day. <laughs> oh, that's right. So uh, the, the devil did give us a little kickback on that one. It was like, well, I'm going to get you there. <laughs> but we survived that one too. Anyway, we're looking at that weather. I was actually anticipating a hurricane. Nothing happened. But... There was something very significant that happened, and we didn't learn about it until the next day, Elena. Mm -hmm. What is that? The plans to build the Temple Arch were canceled. And, you know, um, it's interesting because um, I had told somebody locally that that was what I expected the outcome to be. So, Folks, that was the weekend. That was the day. The very day, April 10th. Plans to build the Baal Temple in New York and London. Both projects were canceled that day or that weekend. Um, they kept the London one. They did keep the London they, one. Yes, but New York is still canceled. There were a lot of people praying about that too. So um, yes, there were. Thank you very much. Um, so we believe that what we did, paired with the prayers that went up all over, yeah, the country and the world against this thing had its impact. Those uh, arches are portals. And what they're portaling in are the, the supernatural powers, you know, intended, you know, to power up their new world order. And those kinds of projects, such as mind control, that go with that. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Elena, it was uh, quite a trip with a glorious conclusion. Let me ask you this. Before I conclude with my thoughts, what are your concluding thoughts on the whole of what we've discussed today? What I want to do is say to the other survivors, I, I, want, I want to tell them, this one was for you. This one was for a lot of reasons, but this one in my heart was for you. For those of you that went through living hell, if you remember it or if you don't, for those of you that were there and saw things that you wish you, you could forget, the things of your nightmares, this one's for you. The Lord saw, he heard, and he is answering even now. He loves you. He loves you very much. And he's with you. Amen. Folks, let me, let me just say this. As we're closing out this program, God is not done yet. Some Christians think the only thing we have left to do is sit on a pew and wait for a rapture. I'm not going to get into the discussion on the timing of that event. What I want to say is God is a king over a kingdom that has an expansion agenda and that God is not done yet. And what he intends to do in these last days, they are going to make the works and miracles and signs and wonders of the book of Acts look like kindergarten. That's right. Amen. The Lord has exploits that are yet to be accomplished. And you know what one of the final lines of that prophetic word was Elena and I know you remember this <laughs> I think at this point you've practically memorized the whole thing <laughs> he God said I am no longer relenting you will be brutally afflicted by my people that's right see we think that the end times is a one-sided slaughter fest for the devil and that that is God's plan there's going to be slaughter, but it's not one-sided. That's right. And folks, God has a kingdom and a realm and an authority that is far beyond that of his adversaries. And we are seeing the beginnings of what that in the last days is going to look like. Because I'll tell you one thing, folks, I promise you this. We are just getting started. That was the word that the Lord gave me when I got back and was thanking him. He said, you haven't seen anything yet. You're just getting warmed up. Boots on the ground. Boots on the ground. Amen. Elena, you are a champion. Thank you so much for being so brave and not only going on this mission, but coming back on my program to talk about it. Thank you, Daniel, for having me on this show. Folks, you can visit us at BrideMovement.com. Check us out Friday nights, 
7 p.m. Central Standard Time, www.thefireplacechurch.org, our newest endeavor. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.